Jay's Four Questions is brought to you by the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles. As the most impactful Jewish organization in Southern California with a global reach, and as Jews, we take care of one another. We are different. We partner with organizations and create organic programs to isolate Jewish LA's most complex issues and resolve them. Our work heals those in pain, brings opportunity to the disadvantaged, and sparks Jewish identity in inspiration seekers of all ages. We are the foundation of our bright tomorrow. We are the heartbeat of Jewish LA. Thank you for listening. I'm back. Jay's Four Questions is back. And my first guest of the new season is Rachel Bloom, the ultimate multi-hyphenate. The award-winning actress, singer, comedian, songwriter, writer, producer. I could go on and on and on. Her show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, is a sensation. And it explores mental illness, Judaism, so many deep issues through song and comedy. We talk about her life growing up in Manhattan Beach, her deep connection to Yiddish theater and culture, and her early obsession with Ray Bradbury and comedian Mel Brooks. Rachel, it is so great to see you. Great to see you too. So I'm a little obsessed with people's journeys, how they got from place to place, and what they would have been if they were in a different place. Mm-hmm. So you are the ultimate multi-hyphenate, right? You're a singer, a songwriter, a comedian, a writer, a producer, Allah, 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 right? All those, all these things. You're extraordinarily talented. But Thank do you. you ever, if you weren't all those things, do you have any sense of what else you might have been? Um, yeah, I mean, probably a either a teacher. I mean, like a, a theater teacher. I think that's that's a there's a very close alternate universe where I'm doing that. Or I always loved I love um, medicine, sciencey stuff. So there was a there was a period of time where I thought I was going to be a doctor, um, and I was then terrible at chemistry, which you need to be good at to to be a doctor. And and I loved the arts so much, but I uh, I was part of a. I was part of a voluntary uh, dissection club in middle school, so I've I've always loved medical stuff. And do you? I've had this conversation with a lot of um, my guests and friends who are uh, comedians or in the comedy field about the first time they got a laugh. Do you remember the first time you got a laugh and how that felt? I remember the first time I got a laugh that really mattered because I was an only child. So getting a laugh from my parents and grandparents, you know, that was every day. Um, the first time I got a laugh that mattered was I did a talent show. I, I made up my own, uh, I guess we'd call it a skit. I hate the word skit, but I'll call this a skit for the school talent show when I was in fifth grade. And um, I got a laugh in that and it was a laugh from my peers, which is what really mattered because that was hard to get. And did that, did you then think that this is a good thing to get? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those moments were always incredibly important. And the music part of your life, I mean, what I think is really exceptional about you, and there are many things exceptional about you, is the blending of, you know, the show is serious, it's funny, it's musical, it's, it's, there's a deep quality to it. I, 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 I binged watched a number of them uh, over the last couple of days. And I'm after each episode, I thought, wow, that I didn't, you know, wasn't thinking that was where you were going and what 
the kind of point you wanted to make. I mean, you really are doing some deep stuff, but you're singing and, and it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I think that deep stuff for me is synonymous with singing because I think that music is universal. It's it's a way that we express ourselves. Every culture has music and musical theater, because I'm such a musical theater fan, so much emotion in good musical theater is really expressed best through song. And so for me, serious stuff and musicals are, I don't see them as, as being um, on, on two different sides of the spectrum. So... And when I was watching the shows in a different context, you know, you, you watch a show when it, when it airs and then you go off and do your things. But when you watch a number of them at one time, right, and we're in the binge world, right, yeah. um, you start to see things. So I see the other thread I see is the show is and maybe this is me the president of the Jewish Federation. Okay. The show is really Jewish. Yeah, it's very Jewish, yes. And tell me where that where that comes from. What's your Jewish sensibility that you bring to the show? Well, I'm Jewish. My writing partner, Aline, was Jewish. Um, both of my songwriting partners are Jewish. And I think that really what the show is, is it's specific to every character and who you are culturally or religiously or, or racially is... It, 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 it's who you are and, 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 and those things are expressed. So I think like everything else in the show, we just try to be specific. And I think that we, it's important to this character. She's um, a, a up, upper middle class Jewish woman from the East Coast. So the Judaism, like all Jews, it's very important who she is and her identity and who she, and, and it's part of her struggle of, what should I? What kind of life should I lead versus the life I want to lead? And there is often this struggle of the ideal kind of um, East Coast, somewhat Jewish life her mother wants her to lead, and then the kind of West Coast, a little more free life that she deep down wants to lead. So, and you grew up on the West Coast, yes. right? So, um, how do you bring that East Coast sensibility? I mean, I know you went to school on the East Coast, mm -hmm. but you grew up in Manhattan Beach, um, and and you're you're really a Southern California girl. Well, compared to everyone else in Manhattan Beach at the time, I felt very East Coasty. My father's from Boston, my grandfather's from New York, which trickled down to my mother, and I loved. I felt like a New Yorker. I loved musical theater. I loved. Um, uh, anxiety. <laughs> I loved thinking about things like death. And so compared to all of the kind of chill surfers I went to school with, I felt very East Coasty. Um, and that comparison, that kind of like pull, that struggle really informed the way I write. I think most people that know about Southern California don't necessarily see Manhattan Beach as a particularly Jewish part of Southern California. What was your Jewish, you know, home like and your upbringing like? And it's not, especially when I was there, it's, it's gotten more Jewish, but um, I was raised very secular. My my father, uh, the Judaism was a little bit more important to him, and especially to his parents who were Boston Jews. My mom was from the West Coast, and, and her brothers weren't bar mitzvahed, she wasn't bat mitzvahed, and so, and my, my grandfather was a very, uh, her father was very almost anti-religion, and so what the kind of compromise that was was struck was I went to Hebrew school and then when I whenever I kind of wanted to quit I I was allowed to quit and I went to a conservative temple and I was I didn't find it engaging um I found it boring and I wanted to do more interesting things with my time I wanted to uh do theater I found that to be more engaging than Hebrew school on the weekends and so I also wasn't bat mitzvah and so I think that the idea of um, the freedom to pursue 
religion and my, the religious studies as I saw fit was actually very good because I never felt like it was shoved down my throat. So I, I ask four questions. That's why the podcast is called Jay's Four Questions. And, and I ask people about their Jewish aha moments. And maybe I would reconfigure it for you, okay? So um, you're, um, you announced on national television when you just won an Emmy that you're uh, pregnant, you're going to have a baby, mm-hmm. Mazel Tov. Thank you. Um, your husband is Jewish. Yep. So you've made some Jewish choices. We've made a Jew- Look, I, there is no arguing that I have married a, I am a full-blown Jewish person who has married a full-blown Jewish man. Uh, and 23andMe has proven that. And we are making a, a Jewish baby. And, and, and we will acknowledge that partially because the world will always call us Jews. The world will always, you know, see our kid is as a Jew. Um, but in and, your own identification, yeah. Rachel, yes. you know, the, the, the concept of an aha moment for me is, um, there's a, look, there are people who identify Jewishly out of a sense of peril, right? The world calls you Jewish. You just kind of said that. There are people who um, are born into very deep Jewish families and they don't have a choice, right? If you grew up in Crown Heights or something like that, it's not like, and I've had guests that grew up in, in the ultra-Orthodox community and, you know, the, the concept of a Jewish aha moment is kind of a silly question. Even my Israeli guess, it's somewhat of a silly question. Mm-hmm. But here you are uh, acknowledging you grew up in, in kind of a secular environment and um, and, and wasn't bat mitzvahed, but you've been making these Jewish choices. And I'm wondering, do you have a sense of why? It feels very deep. I mean, my sense, I've always felt Jewish. I feel when I'm around certain cultural things, I feel a sense of warmth. I feel a sense of uh, being at peace. Um, it feels very like uh, familial. It feels very primal and tribal some of the time um, when I'm, especially when I'm hearing like Jewish music. I mean, my, it's so silly, but my husband hired a klezmer band for my birthday and hearing that klezmer music oh, was really pleasing to my ear. And so I think there, there is a, um, th- there is a, I, whenever I'm, when I'm around Jewish things or, or, or cultural traditions, I feel positive. I feel at home and at ease, and it feels very um, grounded. That's great. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, I I always say uh, all of this kind of stuff has to be personal to you, right? The things that, as you're going to become a mom, the things that we expect or make our children do are not necessarily sticky, right? Mm. But if you find a way to communicate anything, you know, the my my daughter uh, never liked sports. I love sports. So I would make her do sports, right? It was never her thing. It was my thing. And she would do it to make me happy. And then it wouldn't stick, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's the same thing with being Jewish, especially in the world we live in today. We have to figure out what makes us feel good, and we have to figure out what gives us value and how how we identify ourselves. But it has to come from a place that's authentic. Yes. So just on the last of these of of my four questions connected to this, um, I, uh, I'm a cheater. I'm acknowledging, I never said that publicly before, but I'm a cheater. <laughs> I'm a cheater because I'm always asking people to help me do my job. Like, I don't need an original idea, I just need other ideas. So sure. now, based on what you're saying, and based on the fact that uh, in the near future you will be a mom with a Jewish child, um, what do you think the greatest challenge is that faces the Jewish people today? Oh, wow. That's my job, so I'm yeah. you know, cheating to get you to give me help. Um, I think the question of identity, 
because there's so many facets. Non-Jews don't understand the separation of the cultural from the religious. They they just don't they don't get it. It's it's very very hard to explain to someone. You know, they assume if I say I'm Jewish and I do say I'm Jewish, they say, oh, you go to temple, you keep keep kosher. No, I don't. Well, then are you Jewish? Because if you were raised Catholic, but you don't practice Catholicism anymore, you don't say you're Catholic. You say, oh, I come from, you know, families who, a family who was Irish Catholic, or I'm Italian, and I was Catholic, but I'm not. And so that's very hard to explain, and I think that it's hard to explain to ourselves, too. And so I think that's the challenge, is reconciling the fact that all of this comes from a religion, and when you leave the religious aspect, what does that mean? And I think that's kind of this big ongoing question of what does it mean to be Jewish? And it's something that I'm actively thinking about and figuring out. So back to your other life, your career. I was thinking, the first time I discovered you, and I was thinking today when I, when I was thinking about the podcast, I was thinking, can I actually say this word on my podcast, right? The first thing was someone sent me this music video. You can bleep yourself. (laughs) Um, I think people have sworn, so I'll say, fuck Ray Bradbury. Fuck me, Ray Bradbury. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, And at that time I thought, oh, this is another one of these people who is of the moment, meaning, um, social media, YouTube and everything else is going to make you a star, right? You're, you're in this moment, this is how you're going to blow up. And that was a viral, huge viral, successful um, music video. But now I talk to people and I, I, I ask them about you, and you are not a generational talent in that way. Actually, a lot of people of all ages watch this show and, and, and love you. And it's not that you're like one of those YouTube phenomenon that people, you know, that my mother wouldn't know your name. <laughs> it's that, that actually you're transcendent in a lot of ways. And, and I'm wondering why, why you think that is. When I see you, and, I, and I'm, I'll reference, uh, obviously it's a famous scene in the show, the, 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 the Jewish scene with Patti Lapone and, and Tova Felcher, who, by the way, was a, a guest on, on the podcast in the past. Um, you just felt you could be them, right? Like you are not them, you're young and edgy, but you felt, uh, to me, I could see, here's three women. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel, well, be, it's funny that I came up through YouTube because I'm also, I'm really not, I mean, I think I got Twitter after I'd released that music video just to, to keep up with the fan mail. I, I never cons- wanted to be like a YouTube star. I just, that was the way that you got your work noticed. And that's the way that I still see it. It's just, that's the way I get my work noticed. But I really, my roots are... I mean, one of my biggest heroes is Mel Brooks and the musical comedy that he started. And so stylistically, my roots are in much older genres. I mean, I write primarily golden age musical theater sounding songs, which is an older, one would say like more universal sounding art form. So I don't know. And I think that music is also universal. I think that music reaches out and touches people, especially when you're not just doing a parody of the moment of a particular pop song, when it's something that's more universal, even if it is in a a pop vernacular, it reaches people in a way that you wouldn't if you were just doing a stand-up bit. So, and I, I, I totally see that. So you've done a lot of things already. 
Um, and I, I oftentimes ask people who work for me, my famous question is, you know, if I walked down the street, if I was on Sunset Boulevard in five years and uh, in Silver Lake and I bumped into you on the street in five years and I said, hey, Rachel, how you doing? What would you be doing in five years? Do you, what do you see yourself? Because you've done so many things, been successful with your one-woman show and all the things that you're doing really successfully five years from now. Yeah, I think five years from now in an ideal world, I'd be, uh, well, the first thing is I would ideally be writing something that I'm excited about because that's really what makes me happy. I think in an ideal world, I'd have a, either something, um, a, a theater show running that I wrote or about to run, whether it's on Broadway or at the Globe or at the Taper or something, and I would have movies that I made or was making, was in process of making, I think that at the end of the day, just making work that I was excited about. And then of course, if you ran into me, I'll had, I, in five years, I would have a, a five-year-old. So that'll inform my life and the way that I write and in triplets, ways. And triplets to go with the five-year-old. And triplets to go with the five-year-old, of course, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, so I think that'll inform my art in, in ways that I can't foresee. But I think that just making sure I'm always working on something that I'm excited about. I think, that, I mean, obviously that's what everybody wants. I mean, the goal is to be able to be an artist, but actually do art that means something. Yeah, and that makes you happy, that feels new and challenging and exciting. So another thing I talk about, uh, uh, my obsessions that I talk about in the podcast is food. Sure. And um, I know you have your own special seat at Cantor's because, you, you know. My parents go to Cantor's often. Um, my, my latest obsession is uh, Friedman's, which is on the east side, I which is love it. close to my house. Um, my husband and I were some of the original patrons of Friedman's. Jewish Deli in general runs in my family, uh, especially my husband's family, because his grandfather uh, owned Eisenberg Sandwich Shop in Manhattan. He bought it from the original Eisenberg. And so the the Jewish deli is kind of in my husband's blood. So do you have a favorite Jewish food memory? Oh, the first time I had kugel. There's nice. a really good kugel recipe passed down from my father's mother. Is it sweet or savory? Sweet. But I mean, you know, all kugel is like a kind of mix of both, but at the end of the day, there's raisins and cinnamon, so it's sweet. And your grandparents, where did they come from? Well, my father's parents... Um, were uh, his mother was I mean they'd been in Boston since the 1860s from Germany and his father came over here from the Ukraine when he was about five or six and then my mother's parents were both born here one a New York Jew one a St. Louis Jew because you know one would also think in terms of your theatrical roots right so much of you you seem like the modern day queen of the Yiddish theater oh thank you that's actually a huge compliment I I feel a real connection to Yiddish theater I feel a real connection to the European Yiddish culture and I actually it's a goal of mine to, to learn Yiddish because that's because I loved going to Israel but I was in Israel and I was like this is great but this is not this feels a little di distant from me I'm not I'm not this strong sabra, you know, like I'm not this beautiful tanned army going person. I'm I I I I want the the the, the poetry and and the art and the mentality of of for lack of a better way of saying it Yiddish. So I feel a real connection to that. And where's your husband in all this? 
More torn than I am because he was raised religiously. And so for him, it was much more of a rebellion against it. Whereas I had really nothing to rebel against. My parents really let me feel it out for myself. So I never felt like it was forced on me. In fact, I was often more curious about it than my parents were. But my husband, he has a very strong cultural connection to being Jewish. And he, I think, also has a, a yearning to learn Yiddish, less so than I do. Um, but with him, there, there's a little more conflict with the religious aspect of things. And you said you went to Israel. Have you, have you been more than once or you just went once? I just went that one time, mostly because then I was working so much of the time I didn't have time again. But I loved it. It was, it was wonderful and historically just fascinating. And so my last of my four questions is definitely way out there, okay? Great. So um, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Jewish world, I'm obsessed with food, and I'm obsessed with God. Okay. And I ask all my guests if they could ask God one question, what would that one question be? Mm, I mean, um, well... Why don't you make your presence more overt would be my question. I'm curious. I'd be curious about that. And that's really the question of what faith is, right? Right. And also the debate of one might say his presence is everywhere and his presence is very overt. Um, but that would be my question. Right. And look, I think we, um, we go through many stages in our life. Um, we're young, so we, you know, we're kind of living in our parents' home, dealing with that, and then we get off and we go to college, as you did, and and um, you start to express yourself, and then you're an individual, and then you get married, and now all of a sudden, in a good marriage, um, you're, you know, you're realizing that two people, and you, you have to kind of consider both people, and then you have this not five years old yet because it's not five <laughs> years from now, but then you have this living, breathing, beautiful creature. Um, that you brought into this world, and and so you start to start thinking about, you know, what is faith? What role does faith play in your life? Yeah. What role does Judaism play? What role does I mean, even you know, what role will art and culture play in your house as opposed to in your career? And so, it's a different mindset. Are you uh, now that you are pregnant and talking about it? Are you thinking about things like that? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a debate because I think we want our kid to see herself as Jewish. Um, to have a kid who didn't see herself as Jewish would 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 feel weird. Um, and it would it wouldn't feel right. But again, it's this debate of where you where and when do you separate the cultural from the religious, and that's the debate that we're having right now. And is your husband musical? No, he's not at all. <laughs> So are you, I mean, I'm trying to imagine your house. Are you singing all the time in the house? Yeah, there's a lot of like, we make up a lot of songs about our dog. Both of us do. Um, Anyone, any song you'd like to share? No, it's all, you know, it's all in the moment. It's all these songs that burst out of you in the moment that you make up about a dog. Um, uh, but, but there's a piano he likes when I play piano, which I should do more often. And he loves, I mean, he loves music. He loves playing music. He loves listening to music, which most people do. So, I mean, right. that doesn't really mean much. Um, but, yeah. And if I asked him, you know, why, why he fell in love with you, what, 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 would he, <laughs> what qualities in, in you do you think he saw? Um, I know. That's a, no, it's no, an odd no. question for somebody on a first date, but I'm asking No, anyway. no, we were friends for a while before we started dating. Um, I think he would say I had a really, really good heart. 
and that I was just really driven and opinionated and like energized and fiery um, and incredibly uh, like a self self starter, I think is what he'd say. So uh, what I'm struck by, um, which will lead us into an area that I care about and you care about too, is your vulnerability, mm. right? And I know that you talk a lot about and have incorporated a lot in the show about mental health. Um, one of the things I, at the Federation, it's an area that we're in, certainly around teen wellness and things like that. But I think it's probably one of the greatest challenges facing the world right now. And, and as this world gets, you know, faces more and more trauma, um, these mental health issues um, and anxiety and depression and suicide and opioid use, they become a big deal. And I'm, I'm wondering why you're so um, engaged in that and, um, and what you see that we should be focusing on. Well, I spent, a, I spent, especially in comedy, some a lot of time admiring people who covered up their vulnerability and people who could really zing you back and people who were really good at like roasting and you couldn't you couldn't insult them. And I tried to be one of those people and failed miserably. And after a while, I realized, um, wait a second, we're all actually scared on the inside, but no one's talking about it. And if we all just talked about it, I think a lot of problems, interpersonal problems that we have. Would, would disappear. And so once I started leaning into that and just trying to understand the humanity behind everyone by expressing my own fears and my own imperfections, um, it was a way of expressing my own humanity in, in the hopes that people would mirror that. Because all I have is expressing my vulnerability. The other way hasn't worked for me, <laughs> to pretend to be impervious, to pretend to be um, whatever, I don't care. That, that just, it, it's false on me. So I, I feel like I have no choice. And because you've opened this up, are uh, you finding fans and other people reaching out to you and saying, oh, you know, I'm suffering or thank oh, you for doing so this? so much, so much. I mean, there's been so much vulnerability in person and online from various fans. It's stunning. You know, it's interesting. I always reference um, the, the most unexpected guest I had on the podcast is, is, a, is a very dear friend of mine, Bob Saget. Mm. And, and I always reference it in a funny way because uh, this is supposed to be a half hour podcast and he wouldn't stop. So it was close to an hour. And I always, when things go long, I go, you can't break Saget's record. But the reason it went long was, was not because Bob was telling jokes. It was Bob was talking about the loss of his sister and his parents and, 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 and the way he feels and talked a lot about things that were serious. Mm. And in fact, at certain moments I'd say, you know, I was trying to utsum to to make a joke, right? Because most people would never know that side of Bob. Yeah. But you you show all your sides, right? That's you know, I, yeah. I think I encourage everybody to not just watch your show. I encourage everybody to take like a Rachel Bloom day. Oh and you. just like dive in, right? Because then you see all the facets and sides. So before we, we got into my I have a little bit of a lightning round as I end okay, my podcast. Great. Um, you referenced earlier that in five years you'd be writing. That was the first thing you said as opposed to performing. And I'm wondering what gives you the greatest pleasure, writing, comedy, music. What, if you had to pick one, if I, you know, I, if I said to you, you can't be a multi-hyphenate anymore, Rachel, you can only be one. Well, that's hard because the, the thing that I love doing the most is thinking of an idea and then performing it and executing it the way that I think it should be executed. So it's, it's, it's hard actually for me to separate them. 
um, because in an ideal world, they, they're one and the same for me. Uh, but I guess it all comes from writing. I'm, I'm more interested in performing my own writing. Um, but yeah. And, and, you know, in the, in the uh, world we live in now, where um, it's still male, the business is still male-dominated, and people don't actually get to do exactly what they want, why do you think you're able to do exactly what you want? I have no idea. I, well, the thing is I wasn't. I mean, I tried to sell two shows before Crazy X and no one cared. I've been a non-writing producer on some other TV shows that are hard to sell uh, since. So I don't know. I think you, it is a right place, right time. All you need is, you know, that one person to believe in you. So I, I, I don't know. Okay. All right. So as I said, I end my podcast with a, a lightning round, either or. Great. Um, some things will be familiar, some things not familiar. Okay. Filter fish or locks? Locks. Oh, I like the fast. Sketch comedy or musical theater? <sighs> Sketch comedy. This is not an either or, but I'm just curious. What's your favorite Disneyland ride? Oh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Dr. Phil or Dr. Ruth? <laughs> Dr. Ruth. <laughs> Mel Brooks or Ethel Merman? Mel Brooks. Now you've been to Israel, Tel Aviv or Jerusalem? J Jerusalem. Okay, now, this is it, the last question. Okay. The hardest question. Okay. Of all the questions, okay. the hardest question. Okay. I like to hype it. Okay. Babka or Rugelach? This is really hard for me, but Babka. Rachel, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I'm a fan. Thank you. And a bigger fan after my binge. Lovely. And uh, I wish you all the luck, and I wish you, and I know that the Jewish Federation's already signed you up for PJ Library, so. Yes, yes um, they You'll are. have Jewish <laughs> books in your house, but I, I, I wish you luck in your career, but I actually more than that, I wish you great luck and love with your new child. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stay tuned for future episodes to hear the most incredible conversations with today's incredible Jewish thought leaders. Jay's Four Questions is a co-production of the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles and Lira Productions.